Well, good morning. My name is Steve Farina, and I am a general laborer at Coal Manufacturing here in West Bend. And I have the privilege to talk to you this morning and to share a little bit. And I am so excited about what we're going to talk about. In fact, I've been looking forward to it all summer. But I don't want you to be nervous because it's about prayer. And if I get excited about prayer, it means a lot of us feel, oh, that's a really uncomfortable subject. And so I'm going to run to the exits. Don't do that. Because by the time that we get to the end of this message, what I would like to confess to you is one of the great stumbling blocks that I have had in prayer. And you know, it's uncanny that every time I'm asked to give a message at this church, it's on an issue that I have a problem with. So it happened again. And now I get to talk to you about prayer and I'm so excited. And then on the other hand, ooh, I'm nervous because I got to tell you about how I stumble and fumble and bumble and kind of fall flat on my face a lot of times in this whole area uh, of prayer. Well, before I get started, I've asked my friend Ron Voigt to pray for me. And so here you go, Ron. Just put your hand on my shoulder. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Steve is the best friend I ever had. And uh, he helped me along with a lot of stuff at our uh, prayer room. And that's, that's a lot to find a guy that would put his time in for us. That's for sure. Amen. Great. Thanks, Ron. That's super. So, prayer. Want to talk about about it, and Sue, I think we're going to go to that second slide, not the first one. I was wrong, so let's take that one off, and let's go back to the second slide. Prayer. Nobody, but nobody feels good about their prayer life. It's just something that, I don't know, we just never hit it. And so in this time, as we're talking about prayer, I want you to feel relaxed. I want you to feel safe. I don't want there to be any accusations. I want it just to be a time where we say, God, how, how do I go deeper? How do I learn about prayer? Well, if you'll pull out the little handout that you got at the door, there's a couple things that I'd like you to notice. I've got some questions for you to ask yourself. Probably the most important one for me is number two. Number two, where is your place of prayer? Do you have a favorite location? Do you have a favorite beverage, cup of coffee, favorite mug or glass when it comes time to pull away and to pray? And if you do not have that special, quiet place, what could become that place in your home? What could be that place of prayer that you pull away to that's quiet? We've had the grandchildren at our house all weekend, and I forgot how crazy it can be and how hard it is to pull away from a demanding four-year-old who wants my undivided attention all the time. And so I understand that, boy, it's hard, especially with young families. 
But what we're looking for is, is there a place we can pull away to pray? And then there, what do you see at the bottom? Homework. Now, if you had grown a little bit, I'd feel better. Oh, yeah, that's how my juniors used to be when I taught high school English. Homework? What? No. Yeah. I'd like to encourage you to watch the movie, if you haven't seen it already, The War Room. It's fantastic. Excellent. And what The War Room will encourage you to do is find that old closet that's just full of stuff. Or like for us, our college daughter who went off and left her room and left her uh, closet unguarded. And now we've taken and turned it into a prayer closet and a prayer room. And we've got things up all over in your names. Many of your names are on the walls of that prayer room. And then second thing I'd like you to do is, if you haven't already, identify your essential, absolute place, best place to pray. And then I threw in a scripture memory verse. Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This was the verse that got me through college. This is when I thought I was going to flunk out and I was going to never be able to get my degree. This is the verse that I kept quoting all the time as I would walk home from the library, reassuring myself that if I trusted, if I asked, if I thanked him, God would make the provision and he would give me a peace that guarded my mind so I wasn't nervous and guarded my heart. A peace that no one understands. And he would give me the strength in Christ Jesus. Okay, so you've got those. So where are we? We're in the book of Matthew. And what we've been studying is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Basically, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' manifesto. What's a manifesto? A manifesto is, this is how everyone else is living, but we in turn, this is how we're going to follow This is how we're going to be as followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus sets out his manifesto so that we could follow and understand apart from how we've learned our life, how we've learned the culture, but we would follow him and obey him. Now, he's given us topics like, oh, there's been talk about uh, adultery. There's been talk about worry. There's been talk about divorce talk about how to uh, love our enemies, all these different topics. And now we're going to look at what he says about prayer. What's the marching orders for us? What's the point of the manifesto for us in this whole aspect of prayer? And so a couple weeks ago, um, Greg DeFore talked about and just touched on the first element of prayer. And I'd like us to look at that. If you would turn to page 685 in the Brown Bibles. 685 and follow along. Uh, We'll go through these different passages and look at them. Six eighty-five. That's uh, chapter seven, verses seven to eleven. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others that you would not have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, as I talked about, this is a manifesto that Jesus has made. And in this particular passage, he's giving us big ideas. Verses 7 to 11 are on prayer. Verse 12 is what we know as the golden rule, right? And what we find is that the writers of the New Testament will take what Jesus has said in this, the manifesto, and will flesh it out. So that next slide. Well, we see what Paul's saying in 1 Thessalonians about this verse, number 12. So in everything, do to others what you would do, have them do to you. Paul says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Paul fleshes it out. Now, I'm not going to talk anymore about verse 12. I'm just going to set that aside. I want to focus on verses 7 to 11. But before we get to those... We're going to turn back just one page and look at prayer in uh, chapter 6. If you'd look at verses 5 to 8. And can we go to that slide, Sue? There it is. So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your prayer closet, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done is secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. The big idea in this text is don't be like them. Don't be like who? Well, don't be like the posers. The posers who play, pray beautifully and they speak with such eloquence and such formative words. And yet the problem is, is that if you scratch away that prayer varnish, what you'll find underneath is that the wood is rotten. And what Jesus is saying here is, I, I don't want that in prayer. I'm not interested in your mouth moving and your heart being far away from me. I'm not interested in hearing your words that are so eloquent, but knowing that your mind is somewhere else. What he's saying to the posers is like me with my grandchildren who are talking to me and I'm on my cell phone. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh uh-huh, and never hearing a word that the child has said. The child doesn't have my heart. The child doesn't have my mind. And what Jesus is saying here is, like a poser, I want all of you when you pray. I want all of you. The next group are the pagans. Don't be like them, because they think with their many words, 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 they will talk God into submission. 
and he'll give them whatever they want. If I just talk and talk and talk and repeat the same thing over and over and over again, I'll drive God into giving me what I want. Don't be posers. Don't be pagans. And the common denominator between the both is words. Words, but not heart. Words, but not mind. This incredible distance. So then he goes on to talk to us about how to pray. How should we pray then? Well, he gives us what we call the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. Next slide, Sue. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Now I want to stop there for a moment. What we have a tendency to do is to mumble this and to repeat it from rote memory. But though our mouth is moving and we're saying the words, our brains and our hearts are not engaged. We have done exactly what Jesus asked us not to do in just repeating words with our Father. Because He doesn't have our heart. He doesn't have our mind while we're in prayer and talking to Him. So what He's asking us to do here is this is more like a template. I gave you the Our Father. I gave you the Lord's Prayer as a springboard to start with a big idea. But don't let it stop with that. Let me show you what I mean. We start with verse 9. Our Father, what Jesus is saying there is, Daddy who's in heaven. Daddy. Daddy. Daddy loves us no matter. Daddy doesn't mind when we scrape our knees. there to pick us up and hold us. But notice what he's asking us to do. Hollow his name. Lift up his name. Learn how to worship and adore him and treat him like God. Well, there's a tension there. Daddy and a holy, mighty God are completely different concepts. And Jesus is saying, hold him right here. Our Father. Daddy. Be glorified. Teach me every day how to esteem you and hold you in high glory. Because I'm like a little child who just doesn't know better. Our Father. Our Daddy. And so in your prayer life, you're holding that together. Daddy, how can I love and esteem you more? How can I hold you in a greater glory every day? Look at the next verse, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we asking there? We're asking that what goes on in heaven, what the angels do perfectly at the will of the Lord God. We're saying, hey, do that in me here on, he- on earth. Help me to be like the angels who obey you perfectly all the time, without flinching, without hesitation. And if you will help me to be, Lord God, like one of your angels, the kingdom will have come to the places where I have influence. Help me to be like one of the angels. Next one. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus, I, I, I need stuff. Uh, I need food. I need clothing. And I need shelter. Now, my prayer here would be, don't give me so much 
that I would forget who you are. But don't give me so little that I would steal. Just give me what I need for each day. Okay? We can pray that. It's a springboard. We are springing into prayer. And the Lord's prayer, the Our Father, is that helper to help us do that. Next verse. And forgive us our debts every day. I sin. Every moment practically. Forgive me. Oh, God. And help me to be reconciled in those broken relationships. Because by my sin, I mess it up all the time. I mess up my relationships. So God, I want to ask you again and again, help me be reconciled with that problem person at work. Help me be reconciled with that friend at the gathering. Help me to be reconciled with that grocer down at the store who seems to always be chewing on me. Help me to be reconciled. And the last one, lead us not into temptation. Does God lead us into temptation? Does he lead us into temptation? No. It's basically saying, oh God, save me from myself. I'm the one who's going to be arrogant. I'm the one who's going to be jealous. I'm the one who's going to look at stuff on the internet that probably isn't appropriate for me. Save me from myself and deliver me from now here the text says evil one which we would assume is Satan but your text in, in our Bible just says evil well good enough save me from evil keep me from going to those places to having those thoughts that lead me to not be like you not be a follower of you but to make myself vulnerable to the enemy who ta- attacks and is looking to make attacks. How not to pray, how to pray, using the Our Father as our springboard. Well, let's look at our text then for today. If you look at verse 7, in chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, that's our next slide, Sue, thanks. Ask and it will be given to you. Basically what this verse is saying is, Ask, 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 ask. Ask, ask, ask. Just ask me. Ask. Come on. Come on, ask me. And you say to yourself, really, Jesus, this is the, the point of your manifesto? This is the great marching orders? You just want us to ask and ask and ask? Yeah. Because verse 7 says it, ask, ask, ask. And verse 8 basically says the same thing again. Keep asking. Ask and keep on asking. He repeats it twice. And so I've got to ask you, why is that the driving point of his manifesto? Why would that be the hallmark for prayer? And I got to tell you, I don't know. I'm just not sure. But one thing I am thankful for is that he asks us to ask. It shows me that he is a bottom line kind of guy. That Jesus is not just interested in our worship of him. That's important to him. Don't don't misunderstand me about that. But he knows that we are but dust. He knows that we're broken. He knows that we're worriers. He knows that we're troubled. 
And he knows that we're going to ask. And so he says, come on and ask. Feel free asking. Now, as a dad, I have to confess to you, there were times when my kids would ask me to just distraction. It was making me crazy. And I'd say to them, that's enough. Stop asking. I don't get that here. What I get is the loving father, the daddy saying, ask away. Ask, ask, ask. And isn't it amazing that as he asks us to ask, he includes us. Because there was also something said at my house when I was a boy was, um, children should be seen and not heard. Okay. And instead, the marching order is, I want to see my children. I want to hear them too. Ask me. Keep on asking. Don't stop. Ask, 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 ask. And so I want to ask you um, if Jesus said that the Father knows what we need before we ask, does Jesus know, does God know what we need when we don't know what to ask? Because there are times when I'm not sure what to ask him. So one of the things that he has done is he has given us this person called the Holy Spirit. And John, John 16 verse 13 says that the Holy Spirit will teach you and guide you in all things. And so our life is like someone who is constantly asking. It is almost like that metaphor where he called us sheep or he called us his children. We just don't know. We don't know where we're going. We don't know exactly what tomorrow holds. And yet he's calling us and he's showing us as we ask and we ask and we ask. And our life is this constant asking of the Holy Spirit. Who should I visit with at the gathering today? How should I resolve that problem at work? Lord, how, how am I going to bring my family to greater unity and love for you? These problems that we face on a daily basis, ask. And so we ask the Holy Spirit and he teaches us. Now, another person who could help you with asking is uh, John Wesley. And I have these books available to you. Can we see that next slide? And um, go on. In this particular book I've been using, it's a small booklet on prayer. And what I love about it is, John Wesley is, uh, 250 years ago, wanted to disciple his people in prayer. And so he gave them this basic outline where you had prayer in the morning, prayer in the evening, and then accountability questions to ask yourself, how did I do through the course of the day? And I'd like to make this available to those who would like one. And uh, the one caveat or the one request I would have is if you're not using it, you don't find that it's helpful, please give it back so I can give it to someone else. But they're up here after. But this is from today's reading. And this is the prayer. This is John Wesley helping me ask. Loving you is the goal for which I was created. 
Loving you, O God, is the goal for which I was created. Therefore, I can have no happiness apart from loving you. That being understood, fill my heart with love for you that it will become the motive for all the use I make of my mind. All of my feelings, all my senses, my health, my time, my property, and the skills I've received from you, may they all be for you and love for you. Let me love nothing in this world except as love for you guides me and so keep me from loving other things. Enable me to be more faithful in love for you during what remains of my life than I have been up to now. Make me resolve firm to love you not merely in words or emotions, but through loyal obedience. John Wesley's helping us ask. Now one last person that can help you ask is King David, the writer of many of the Psalms. Each day I read a Psalm. And can I tell you that so often what David is experiencing in his heart, it's what I'm experiencing. And yet I couldn't articulate it. I wasn't sure what I was feeling. And yet he's saying exact, oh, that's what I'm feeling. And so I can take the words of King David and I can pray them back to God. And his words, his ask becomes my ask. So the Lord knows what we need before we ask. The Lord knows what we need when we don't know what to ask. And now here's the, the stumbling block. What happens when we've been asking and asking and asking and nothing happens? Some of you have been asking and asking the Lord for a certain thing and you have been crying out, your heart is His and for whatever reason He hasn't responded. Can we put up that last slide then, Sue? This is my youngest, uh, newest grandson. His name is Baby Elon and Corey is my son-in-law. Now, Martha and I knew right from the beginning that there was something very wrong with Elon. And it came to be found out that he had an underdeveloped brain. And his condition was so rare that the doctors don't have a name for it. And so on my birthday, um, I asked the kids if we could gather the elders from their church and we could anoint Elon with oil and just pray over him and ask God to heal him. And uh, so uh, I should say just one other thing that Elon's probably blind. He may see a little bit of light and he may be deaf. We don't know how much he hears. He hears a little bit, but we're not sure what at what level. So as a grandfather, you can imagine some of the emotion that I go through feeling this not only for the child, but for my kids who are going to walk through this. And frankly, I have seen God answer prayer like that for me in many different areas, sometimes in the most trivial thing. 
And we gathered and we prayed over Elin and we had all these godly people laying hands, crying out for healing. And to their credit, my kids said this. We don't care, oh God, if you heal him, as long as you're glorified and honored through whatever you decide to do with him. Well, that wasn't my prayer. My prayer was, God, change his destiny. Let's heal him right here and now. We'll be done with it and we'll go on. I'm asking. And that was such a stumbling block for me because I asked. I believed. And Elin Elin was not healed. And very recently, he had gone for a swallow study And he did really well, and they were really excited um, because we've been feeding him through a GI tube. And he started swallowing again, starting to remember that. And as my daughter, Kasia, is reporting this to us, she says, oh, oh, I got to go. And we're like, Martha and I were like, oh, boy, what was that? Sure enough, he had had a seizure, and it had lasted over seven minutes. And whenever he has a seizure, it's a step back for him. And so we were like, oh, God. And, and so you see where the stumbling block is, is I ask and I ask and I ask. And then God isn't responding on my timetable. And so the temptation for me is to fold my arms and step back and say, You're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. I asked. You told me to ask. I asked. His response to me is this. Steve, I didn't promise you comfort. I didn't promise you a life of ease. What I promised you is when it would get difficult like this, I would embrace you and I would walk you through it. Ask me, but then lean into me. Feel my grace and mercy. And let me walk you through some of these most difficult challenges so that in the midst of them, right in the middle, you can have joy inexpressible. Because of my presence in your life in an awful, difficult, hard situation. That's prayer. Prayer isn't about me. Prayer isn't about what I do. Prayer is about Him. Ask me, He's saying. I am the great God and King. I know what you need before you ask. I know what you need when you don't know what to ask. And I know how to hold you and care for you and walk through the valley of the shadow of death that you might have joy everlasting in the face of it. Our God has called us to ask. Not because we can. He's called us to ask because He is. And because He's great. Ask me. I want to invite Leah Swartz to come up and close us in prayer.
Will you please pray with me? Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you that we could all be here today. Thank you that we can talk to you. Please help us to use prayer for your glory and not for ours. Please, please make us, please help us to use our heart to pray and not our words. Um, please help us not to be afraid to pray because you are our Father. Amen. Thanks, Leah.